We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is out today. And Darius wrote a, a really good post today at Silver Screen and Roll that I suggest you check out that's about the idea of embracing work, embracing the journey, and embracing the process of getting better. And there's a great line at the end that you and I were laughing about. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of me and uh, because I have you uh, to, to clarify any mistakes that I make. But you characterize this team as intentionally lowering its floor for the purpose of raising its ceiling. That really encapsulated, I think, really where we are. And we saw that in the first couple of preseason games where we took our lumps, especially on the defensive end during stretches. Part of that's personnel and all that. But part of that is actually a very real thing that we're going to deal with this season. I was thinking about the construction of this roster. And I think about what the Lakers did in the championship season in 2021-20. They built a very specific type of team, intentionally or not. Like, I think... We'll see what future versions of Rob Palinka built teams look like. And I think that'll give us more insight into what um, the construction was of that specific team. But this year's team, there were a couple of ways I think that they did try to mirror what happened in 2020. Palinka mentioned that with like going back to the the size model at center that is rim protecting, rebounding, defensive paint protection. Right. But. Everything else is like they went away from like the structure and formula in the bigger picture of what the championship team was in order to build this roster. And in a way, and then they added another high volume, a high usage guard Mm -hmm. and a lot of sort of mixing and matching. And I think that they purposefully did sort of in real specific ways go away from that defense first rely on LeBron and AD as like the main ball handler shot creation guys and have just enough shooting. And that's a formula towards winning. He, they went away from that and they went away from that within the context of way more offense, 
way less perimeter defense, right? And another sort of spectacular type of ball handler guard in Russell Westbrook. And I think their floor is lower. And I think their ceiling potentially is higher if everything clicks right. You know what I mean? But that's what this season is about to me. It's them embracing the work that they're going to need to embrace in order to bridge that and not live near the lower floor, right? And actually get to that higher ceiling. Yeah, And so then it becomes a question of what does that work look like to get better, especially for this team? And one of the points that you touched on at at the beginning of that piece was the idea of joy and the idea of really that the the journey of it, all of it is something that you embrace and you really lean into and look forward to as being part of what gets you to that end point. You opened up with the scene of AD having just won the championship in the locker room in the bubble. Mm -hmm. And he made a comment to that end of that. This is why we were. And so now it becomes a question of what does this team work on? What does that look like with this roster to get there? And there has to be a certain degree of of joy that this has been a big thing that I've been talking about with Russ is that I think that he and LeBron always imbues his team with a certain sense of confidence and we're always in it. Um, But Russ in particular, that is... Talk to me about the idea of joy in basketball and why that is so important. Well, I just think even LeBron, man, like think of the think of all of the hardships that the 2019-20 team dealt with. Right. Like and the hurdles that they had to clear from the tweet on their way to China from Daryl Morey and then what they had to deal with there and um yeah, Kobe's Kobe passing and Kobe passing yeah. away and then the pandemic hits and then the whole state and the whole country is in lockdown and then the bubble and then the summer of protests and right there was so much that was sort of heavy on the minds I think of all Americans and and I think we all felt that not even just Americans but all over the world but Americans especially when you tie in the social justice aspect of things And the Lakers and LeBron, I think, was so important in playing with that joy and that level of like, this is fun for us. And and Dwight and JaVale hooting and hollering on the sidelines during the bubble and everyone sort of speaking of there's no fans, but we're going to lift ourselves up. Right. And so I think LeBron has tried to foster that. And I think he's wanting to do that again this season. You've seen some of the uh, photos that the great Lakers social media team has put out on Instagram and and on Twitter of like just guys happy in the gym. It's all over their faces. Yeah. And Russ, I think, is a big part of that as well, because he he has talked a lot about like, you know, what's most important to me is, is like. We have to appreciate this. We have to savor these moments. We have to, people forget, like, it can get away from people that this is a game and that we should love it and that we should enjoy it and that we should be having fun out there. And so I think you're right that Russ is going to be super important in, in helping to bring that with LeBron as well, because the team's going to have to want to do the work. 
Yeah, it's also what produces the best basketball. That's that want and that joy is how you play. Because defensively, in particular, is where this team is challenged. As you noted, they've they've added a few you know veteran scorers, but guys that may have some question marks on the defensive end. And we've seen that play out on a, certainly a shorthanded team in the first two preseason games. But we've seen a lot of defensive breakdowns just as a result of that's the talent that we have on the floor. And yeah. so. To get better from that point, part of a big part of that will be personnel and tightening up the rotation, all that. Obviously, we had the Ariza injury, which is uh, it, it matters, but I think that there's some degree of interchangeability with our role guys. Like, I don't think that I think singular injuries to our stars will have a massive impact on us. With the role guys, like I don't know, I think guys can step in and maybe not do the same things that he does, but do the thing that they do. Right? Anyhow. The idea of how do you get a team that is full of a that, how do you get a roster that does not have a bunch of lockdown defenders and it does not have that build from two seasons ago or even last season to play good enough defense and that joy and that sort of we love playing together and we're loving doing this is what comes from that's one thing that when I watch Phoenix they're a team that they love playing together and they're really. Like in a game like that, it's preseason for them too. They went further than we did, but they were like, hey, we got a chance to kick the Lakers' ass. That's fun. We're yeah. going to go do that. And this Lakers team, once we're at, uh, at full strength, we will have the opportunity to do that on some nights. And I'm, I'm curious to what degree we seize that because I think that, like, the team has changed, but I think their nature as hunters, as we've talked about in yes. previous incarnations of the team, they're yeah. different types of hunters. Maybe they go about uh, about it with different weapons and in a different strategy, but at heart, they're very similar. Um, that, to me, is going to be one of the things I look for very early in the season. And even in this preseason, when Russ and LeBron come back, are, are you I, guys just enjoying yourselves? I can't wait to see Russ and LeBron yeah. play, man. Like, I get that. There's probably too many preseason games. I get that these dudes, especially LeBron, right? Year 19 is older and has a ton of mileage on on his legs. I understand sort of the reasons, um, even if they're not being spoken out loud, the reasons behind the strategy that the team is taking in the preseason. Um, but I heard you guys talking like at the end of the Ariza's injured pod Right. You and Mike and that idea of like, man, I really want to see those dudes out there. Like, like I just want to because that the spirit, the spirit that LeBron and Russ, I think that they can imbue on a team is super. It's singular. Right. What does it what does that look like? Well, I just think what do they do? There is just a so you mentioned how LeBron inspires confidence. Russ does too, right? Mm-hmm. And there is this sense of I think you saw it with like the Bucks last year, for example, with with Giannis, and I think you saw it to a certain degree with the Nets with with KD. When you have one of those dudes yeah. on your team, right? One of those dudes who is just like like he's bigger than all the other dudes who are supposed to guard him, he's stronger, he's faster, he's more charismatic. He got a better looking girl. It's just like you go down the line, right? Like, like, like you like you laugh, but you know what I mean when you were it's I almost do. like that. It's it's like that high school quarterback feel of like the, it's it's like the prom king. It is. We got this dude. on This dude's on our side. That's right. Right. And, and, and so to be able 
the way that manifests itself in sports and in basketball, especially where it's just like, there's no hiding. There's no like, oh, you're in left field today. There's no like, oh, yes. you're playing first base or you only play offense. Yes. Right. Like, no, basketball is one of it's it's a flow sport when you are a dominant player, especially one who is dominant on both sides of the floor um, and whose physicality translates on both sides of the floor. That dude has the ability to spark something within the rest of your roster that then empowers and emboldens players to to go out there and and play a little bit more free at times to play with a little bit more swagger to to just go out there and compete and and when and getting back to the piece that that I wrote that idea of embracing the work LeBron and Russ are both renowned workers right and we often talk about that within the context of like, oh, skill development and how they've modified their game and or worked on their bodies. And all of that's true with them. You don't get to be a star NBA player if 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 that stuff isn't there. But the stuff that I'm talking about is more that idea of you have to embrace the challenge as well. Right. And and embrace the hardship and stare that down. And, and a lot of I, the guys talked about that in on media day and throughout the training camp. They've, that's been a recurring theme. It has been. And I think back to like, that's the sort of stuff that like, if there is an area where I really miss rooting for Kobe Bryant, it was that it mm. was the idea of everything that an opponent is trying to do to us is a problem that can be solved. And I am a problem solver and I'm going to solve the problems because I am going to put in the work necessary in order to solve the problems. And LeBron, there may not be, I heard Zach Lowe say this and I'm going to take his comment here because it's, it's just super smart. LeBron is probably the best problem solver the NBA has ever seen. Agreed. Right. It does not matter what kind of roster he's had. It does not matter who his teammates are. It doesn't matter who his head coach is. It, none of that matters. He's been able to sort of galvanize a group of guys and help propel them to a place where they are in the mix to win an NBA championship. And we all know how hard that is. We've watched basketball for decades now. Right. And so this idea of embracing that work and how these specific players can can serve as the springboard for a team to actually bring the ingredients that is necessary to want to embrace the work. I think it's super important when, when it comes to LeBron and Russ, especially. I go back to our POW episode a couple of uh, pods ago. The idea of that's what that's what POW that's what POW valued about Kobe is that some of that challenge and embracing that challenge is internal. In fact, most of it is. The championships are the result and the wins are the result of that, but it's the looking inward and the looking at, well, what do we need to get better at? And looking across the hall and being like, what do you need to get better at? And that same yeah. person across being able to say, well, I need this from you too. And the holding each other accountable. And But that initial challenge, rather, it's very, inertia is very easy to uh, just kind of go along with the 
way that we're doing things like that guy messed up over here or I messed up, but I'm not going to acknowledge it. Right. It's it's easy to just keep going with the flow, but eventually you start to break and fracture and you start to not have that level of cohesion that's necessary and will be necessary for this team, especially on defense. So let's take a quick break when we come back. Let's talk a little bit about the details of what getting better looks like with this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So let's focus on the defensive end because I think that's where the... Uh, I think a lot of the offense is going to come naturally for this team. But defensively, you mentioned in your piece about these are guys that are used to being high usage players and the nature of what Carmelo Anthony does as a, as a scorer is, you know, as a first option, 30% usage guy, he's asked to do different things than he is in a different role. That's one of the more extreme versions, but it's also true for Malik Monk. It's true for Kendrick Nunn to an extent. It's going to be true for pretty much every guy on this team because most teams don't have this many guys who can create for themselves. So before we get into what needs to be done differently. What goes into the job of those dirty work type of players, those dirty work type of plays and actions and elements of basketball that your guys who have been committed scores for most of their career are going to have to do more of in order for this team to be good on defense? I mean, it's mindset, man. It's mindset. It's focus. It's a reprioritization and uh, a proper valuation yeah. of 
the things that are on the court that lead to winning basketball, right? Now, everyone contributes to wins in in their own way. Um, Carmelo is typically contributed to wins by scoring 20 plus points, right? He's a top 10 scorer all time in the NBA, right? Like you don't just crack that list by showing up, right? Like you crack that list because you go out there and get buckets over and over and over again. And he's won a ton in this league by doing exactly that. And so one of the things I was encouraged about, I saw Melo on a couple of possessions crack down and sandwich yeah. and, and sandwich a big and sandwich Aiton in order to like help tip away a rebound, right? Like I saw him scramble to try to get to a closeout, right? Now that's going to need to be every time. It's going to need to be that, right? Like there are the mistakes that, so a lot of times when you're um, a, a high level offensive basketball player, the mistakes that you make on defense are ones of omission. They're the things yeah, that you do not. You're not paying not, attention. Yes. It's, it's all related to the or things you do not do. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. It's all related to the things that you do, do not do. I did not box out. I did not close out to the corner. I did not make the proper rotation. I was supposed to X out there. I didn't. I stood still. You remember that viral yes. video of LeBron, his first season where like mm-hmm. Kuz was shoving him like, mm-hmm. hey, bro, you got to go over there. And like LeBron yeah. was just like weekend no. at Bernie's like at the elbow, like, 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 I'm, <laughs> like, I'm good. Right. Like I got to do everything else. I'm not making that rotation. I'm not. It's all of omission. What these guys need to get into their heads and what they're going to need to focus on, I think, is that all the errors that we're going to make, they're going to be mistakes of of doing of of going full speed. Right. Commission. Yeah. Yes. Right. And it's just like you because as a coach, if you get the buy in to actually do to make yeah, the rotation, to do the work. You can tr- you can get guys on the right page to learn the scheme, or you can simplify things in order to properly apply the effort. But in terms of getting guys to do it in the first place and how you sort of, it's it's from the player's perspective, it is, man. It's it's focus, it's want, and it's a, it's a reprioritization of what matters to them as an individual player. And the thing that's different, I think, from some of the players in the past. And I think a guy who I think can serve as a template for a lot of players that are on the Lakers roster right now is, is who is no longer here is KCP. KCP was the number eight draft pick in the league. He was looked at as a player who was going to be a really good offensive player for the Pistons. And then things fell apart. And then he came to the Lakers and his first year with the Lakers, I thought he was someone who was mostly just trying to go get his slowly, but surely he evolved into a player that was doing a lot of the little things, every single play and doing them correctly. But that takes a commitment, right? And if I was Frank Vogel or one of the assistant coaches, right? Cause this isn't something that Frank Vogel is necessarily going, going to do. I might look at the evolution of, of KCP and be showing stuff like that to Malik Monk. Yeah, that's a to, younger player, Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Right, to, to Kendrick Nunn. And that idea of this is, this is the path for you. I don't doubt that there's buy-in 
from the players. And and I don't think you do either. I don't want to speak speak for you, but but I think every player is going to buy in. But there is a sort of rewiring of the brain sure. that needs to take place when you're asked to do things that you haven't necessarily been asked to do in the past or said another way, probably weren't held accountable for those things because yeah. every coach asks you to do these things. That is accurate. Yes. And so the other element of this, there's a certain degree of push and pull where I'd say it's a 80, 20 type of split of in, especially in our current circumstances of letting guys do what they do. There were a couple of possessions in that first shift where Mello saved possessions. He was, mm -hmm. he got a switch on Chris Paul on Landry Shamit, And then it's his eyes get all big. He had a nice drop step on, on Jay Crowder, although that was his second shift, but there were, times where it was like, oh, that's exactly what Mello would, we could really use that, that ability for somebody to get a bucket when things have broken down. And so doing that with all of our new players and putting them in the position to do what they do is what we should be doing from, you know, from the team side, from the coaching side and all that. Then the 25% comes from the player side of, this is what we need from you that you have not necessarily prioritized in the past. Yeah. And to me, the marriage of those two ideas is what is something that you are good at on defense, right? Again, we get caught in that trap of calling defense this one big thing when it, in reality it's a bunch of... And so one of the guys I've been wrestling with under that idea is Wayne Ellington. First couple of games, his on-ball defense, just there, there were some rough moments. Woof. Yes. However, in the Phoenix game, and this is something that some of the, the data has illustrated as well, like he was okay as a chaser and chasing shooters around screens. And generally, if you're somebody worth being worried about coming off of a screen, you're not an elite ball handler. If you are, you're Damian Lillard or Steph Curry or someone like that, where if you're, you know, once you get it, you can really attack on that. So the point being that if Wynn Ellington's on ball defense is really weak, but you can put him on somebody who's primarily just a shooter, those might be minutes for Wayne Ellington. And that might be a place where saying Wayne Ellington is not a good defender, again, is too broad of an overgeneralization. And so that idea of finding what guys are good at, when you look around this team at those scores, what are some of the things that stand out to you of like, maybe they're not good defenders overall, but we can get the best version of them if we have them do blank. Well, I'm, I mean, it's interesting because I think that's a good point about Ellington. I also want to say too, that I don't think the Lakers are filled with a bunch of like bad defenders. I think that they're probably filled with maybe one or two defenders who I would say are bad overall. I know you just use Ellington as an example. I don't think Ellington's a very good defensive player. Like, I think that there are one or two things that he can do and he could do those things capably, but a defensive possession isn't filled where you only get to do that one thing. Right. right. And that's not how the game is played. And, 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 and so while I agree with the sentiment that you're putting forward here, I also think that you need to have a baseline level of competence in enough areas. You have to have some versatility because the whole thing about offense versus defense is the offense is choosing how yeah. this possession is going to go. They're the ones that initiate it. So you don't necessarily have the choice all the time of yes. to play your defensive player into their strengths. Yeah. And so I look at a player like Carmelo, right? Like Carmelo, I think can defend the post some against like-sized players. He's strong. I think that he can be a good presence on the defensive backboards. I saw that some, right? We'll, I we'll need that this year too, yeah. Right? I, so I think that Carmelo can be an okay, like, weak side 
defensive player and be put in positions where if he's switching, he's not switching like on to ball handlers. Like I think that he's probably a guy that if he gets switched onto a quicker guard, the Lakers are going to have to then go into their trap up high and then rotate behind scheme in order to basically scram Melo out of that matchup. Right. Sure. But I think that he, because he's traditionally been a wing over the course of his career, I think he's got enough movement cap- capability to then run out of that situation and get to another spot on the floor where he can, where, where then he can settle in to a more natural defensive assignment. I think that Monk, isn't going to be a player like I was going to bring him up. Yep. Yeah. I I have not seen enough from Monk as a willing to embrace the physicality that's needed, even at a smaller size. Right. Sure. And, 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 and so I think he has that, like, I don't know if he has it in him, but I'd like to see him try a little bit more. It reminds me a little bit of Rondo's first season with the Lakers where I was just like, man, this dude is dying too much on screens. He is like not getting down there to sandwich on rebounds. He is not really holding up on switches where he really like gets low in order to try to fight for fight fight, for position. Fight, yeah. Right. Like a lot of like, Oh, let me slap from behind at like the ball. Right. Like there's just low a little effort, bit too much low of that. contact defense. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I know that on the weak side, he can also be someone who can be a little bit disruptive. He can shoot the gaps. He can be active in passing lanes. And so I would like to see him be more attentive because I think that attentiveness is what's going to lead to him being more productive defensively, considering some of the limitations and tools that he has physically. Yeah, he's he's naturally his best ver- the best version of himself I think is that chaser but like havoc creator somebody who can pick up 94 feet and turn you a few times. He's got the quickness to be able to do yeah. that. Now, if he's in point of attack situations, he's going to lose those battles where a bigger guard puts a shoulder in his chest. And that's something that that's what it comes down to to me is separating the I don't expect you to be good at this from the you're capable. And paying attention to detail on on that. For example, there was a Aiton kicked our butts in the preseason game again. And in part was when Nunn would try to crack down, he was just too small. He was just too small to deal with Aiton. That's Aiton's going to be a guy that we need Russ for in particular to sandwich down on because that's the he he kicks the butts of those smaller guards. And we saw that last year as well. Also, Dwight, I think Dwight's a oh, I think I think point. Dwight's a super important player against physical against big men. In general. No, great, great point. And so when it comes down to Monk, I, I don't expect him to win those battles of physicality, but he's graceful enough and agile enough and quick enough to win some battles of speed. And so then it becomes a matter of paying attention to the details, like yeah. you said, because if you were if he has one thing, at least NBA level wise, from a, a physical attribute standpoint with that that speed and quickness that can help him compete. Now it becomes a matter of how do you leverage that to win battles as, as much as possible. So take it out of Monk in particular and more into that conceptual. You got a small guard. This is something Mike talks about all the time, uh, the difficulties that those guys have. But when they're good, when they are able to compete at those high levels, because we've seen that 
Monk can score, man. That kid could really score. It yes. would be great if he can play in the playoffs. And so this is an important storyline over the course of this season. So what does that look like when you've got a small guy who's, you know, slide of frame? How do those guys stick around into the playoffs? I would say go watch tape of Steph Curry play defense. I would never classify Steph as like um, an elite defensive player. He's probably average to above average, right? But where he is like where he is above above average is his understanding that there is a baseline level of competitiveness that I mm. need to display defensively and competitiveness then comes in two forms to me it comes in how physical can i be within the context of my own limitations and how attentive can i be to game plan and all the kyp and studying and everything else that goes into being prepared right and those are the two things like you're never going to be stronger than what your body allows you to be, right? But you can be as strong as your body allows you to be. You can get in there and mix it up that way. You can stand in there and try to stand up a post, dude. And if that means you take a shoulder to the to the nose once or twice, <laughs> then that's sure. the cost of doing business yeah. when you're playing in high leverage games in uber competitive environments, right? And the other part is, like I said, is, is doing all of the preparation that you need from a mental standpoint in order to be locked into what the game, like, like into what the game plan is. And I think that those two things apply to, to, um, to Malik Monk, I think they apply to Kendrick Nunn. I think they apply to Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Yes. Like these are all guys who have a certain amount of physical tools. I think of all of those guys, THT has the most physical tools, but mm -hmm. these aren't things that are beyond his grasp either or do not apply to him too, right? Because to me, Pete, in an ideal world, those three guys are all key rotation level guards for you, They're important. Right? Yep. And then you add those guys to Bazemore and Russ, and there's basically your five guards right there that you expect to play every single night that are going to compete for you every single, single night. And then you add those to the to LeBron, to AD, right? And then, then you've got Carmelo, and then you've got Dwight, and it's just like, okay, well, now there's there's your nine man rotation right there. That is basically what you're looking at. And uh, is that team a little small? It is. It is a little small on the wing, especially right. Like in terms of perimeter defense, but you've got LeBron, you've got AD like, you know, if you need to, you can go big with Dwight and say like, all right, well now we've got Dwight LeBron and AD and we've got Russ Right. And, 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 and so there is a certain amount there of covering up that you can do for some of the small, smaller players. And that's why, even though personally I am. I am a little bit like, oh, this team looks a little small. Right. From the first two preseason games, I'm also like, oh, it'd be nice to see LeBron James and Russell Westbrook out yeah, there. The, the guys that are small see. out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
right? And so I'd like to see a little bit more of those guys and maybe have them play together a little bit and have be them fun. overwhelm <laughs> a couple of other teams and make those dudes look small because that's what they can do too, right? And, and so I'm not in panic mode or anything. It's been two, two preseason games, but this idea, and I'm glad that we've had a chance to talk about this idea of getting better because it really is, to me, a commit, like there's a commitment level that is needed from every member of the team. And I trust that that is already there for some of them, right? But for some of the other guys, they've never played in the types of games that the Lakers hope to play in this season. And the sooner that they start to mentally prepare, like, you know, those like, an old, like, I don't know, karate movie of some sort. And like the first third or half of the movie is some guy sort of going through all of this training and he's like kicking the tree and now his shin is like all bloody and he's just kicking the, sh- and, and he's just kicking the tree and kicking the tree and kicking the tree. Well, that's what the regular season's going to have to be for some of these sure. defensive Lots players, right? Repetition, a lot of work They're, in the film room. Yes. A lot of work, a lot of training, a lot of preparation, because when it comes right down to it, they're going to be needed, man. They're going to need Monk's offense, right? They're going to need none secondary ball handling and shot creation on the weak side. They're going to need THT and sort of that, that amalgamation of, of giant hands and long arms and paint finishing ability and shot creation skill. They're going to need all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in order to get that from them, they need to compete defensively. So I know that this isn't a a podcast only about them and that the idea of needing to improve and that commitment to the work of getting better applies to the entire team. But I'm, I'm looking at three to four guys on the roster who I think can pivot this group. And to get back to the point that we made at the very beginning, raise that potentially lower floor up a few notches and get it closer to that higher ceiling that I think was the goal of constructing this roster the way that it was. And all of that is going to be a process. And that that kicking the tree over and over again is going to be part of that. But that starts with that commitment and it starts with that joy, right? The joy comes from that commitment and the going through battles and winning together and losing together, but staying connected and, and together in that work. And so that's going to be the process of this season. And defensively, we're starting well behind where we have been yeah. the last couple of seasons. But that is part of what this team is going to be. I think that soon we'll have, you know, a different version of this team to talk about once Russ and LeBron start playing. And we'll be here to cover all of that on the next episodes of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.